Welcome back, listeners, to Sandman Stories Presents, a folklore podcast where I read you to sleep or until the next story. I'm your host, Dustin. Today we are back in the book of Ecuadorian folklore, recorded by Mario Conde. This is the third out of four of my Halloween episodes. In the first story, a mysterious mule is making a scene in the town, and the citizens want to get to the bottom of the strange happening. In the second story, a pious lady who loves to gossip has a life-changing event when she tries to cover up a naked man. And a big thank you again to Mario Conde for letting me cover your stories. Okay, let's begin. The Prancing Mule One night, during the tender moon, the people of San Pablo del Lago in the city of Otavolo were awakened by the noisy galloping and the clamor of animal hooves through their town. For no apparent reason, the dogs of the town began to howl mournfully at midnight, and then, along the main street that leads to the church, they heard what sounded like a noisy stampede, accompanied by the jingling of a little bell, like the ones used when reciting the Catholic Mass. Inside their homes, the people were so frightened that no one dared investigate. The next day, Everyone told each other their own version of what had happened. Some said that it was a band of bandits who were fleeing justice through their town. Others swore that it was merely a noisy insomniac. But most of the people believed that it was a delegation from hell who had brought along a church bell as a sign to the people that some terrible sin was taking place in the town. On the first night of the tender moon the following month, Just as the people of San Pueblo were beginning to forget about the strange event, once again the dogs began to howl at midnight, and they heard the mysterious galloping accompanied by the bell. The racket was so great that no one doubted that it was an appearance by the devil himself. The people crossed themselves in the safety of their homes, but this time some of them dared to peek outside, where they saw the figure of a black beast running and leaping through the streets. Everyone waited fearfully for the next tender moon and the reappearance of that infernal racket that they were sure they would hear again. Four curious young men, there are some in every town, got together and decided to get to the bottom of the mystery. At midnight, the houses were closed and the only sound was that of the whistling wind coming off San Pablo Lake. Suddenly, the people heard the sound of the beast stampeding hooves. The young men were hidden in the alley of one of the houses, and soon they could see in the darkness the cause of the racket. They saw that it was a wide-mouthed, riderless animal, a black mule with a long mane and a little bell around its neck that bolted past them bucking and leaping. The whole incident lasted only a moment, and the young men could do nothing but cross themselves. The next day, everyone in San Pablo knew that the cursed mule was running through the town, capering furiously. People dubbed it the Prancing Mule, and the whole town wondered what kind of horrible sin could have taken place to attract the attention of this hellish monster. The people of San Pablo waited eagerly for the town priest to denounce from the pulpit those who were breaking God's laws, but he said nothing about it at Mass on Sunday. Irritated with the priest for his apparent indifference, the same four bold young men made plans to capture the Prancing Mule the next time it appeared. They collected halters, clubs, and ropes, and hid themselves in an alley. 
bordered on both sides with walls from which they could leap onto the diabolical creature with their lassos. At midnight, they heard the noisy thunder of hooves. Suddenly, the beast entered the alleyway, bucking and kicking, and the four young men leapt onto it. Not one of them managed to lasso it. One of the young men was kicked soundly and flew off. Two of the others managed to land several tremendous blows with their clubs on the animal's back and legs. The fourth was able to grab hold of the mule by the mane and attempted to cling to the animal, but the beast threw him to the ground with a mighty leap. The mule, whinnying in fear, ran off into the darkness. The daring young man remained on the ground, clutching a few hairs from the mule's mane. The other young men went to help him up, and together they lit a candle. They were shocked to see that their hairs in their friend's hand were not from an animal. Instead, they were long and delicate, like the hair of a woman. More curious than ever, the young men devised a plan to solve the mystery, and they swore to tell no one what had happened. Using whatever pretext they could, they spent all of their time over the next few days exploring every part of the town where the prancing mule had appeared. As the saying goes, a small town and a great big hell. And indeed, it did not take them long to find out that a certain beautiful young woman, who was respected by everyone for her religiosity and beatitude, had been laid up with bruises on her legs, back, and head. According to her, she had fallen into a ditch. The four friends immediately doubted her story and began to suspect that she was the origin of the sin that produced the apparition. From that moment forward, they spent their time spying on the girl's house, where she lived on the edge of town with her widowed mother. They watched it for several days until one Saturday night, they saw a man, hidden by a large poncho and wide-brimmed hat, sneak up to the house and tap on the window. Not a minute had gone by before the window opened and the man climbed inside. The young men were certain that the young woman, who went to confession every Friday and took communion every Sunday, was living in sin and for this reason the prancing mule was appearing. But they still needed to determine who her lover was. Since they had not seen his face, they waited for him to leave, having decided to expose him that very night. The stranger left through the same window at dawn, not realizing that four shadowy figures were spying on him. Hunched over and hiding his face with a hat, the man started walking silently toward the town. When he was halfway there, the four friends jumped on his back and gave him a good beating. The man was laid out on the dusty ground, face down and moaning in pain. They turned him over and were shocked to see the village priest. That Sunday in church, there was no mass but a big scandal. The news that the prancing mule had appeared in town because the town priest was having an affair with the religious young woman caused a great uproar. So great was the town's anger that a group of the faithful, led by a group of women, went to the young woman's house and dragged her out. The woman limped out, her head covered with a black shawl. In a fit of rage, someone pulled the shawl away and everyone saw that she was missing a handful of hair. At that moment, the young man showed the scandalized townspeople the hairs they had pulled from the prancing mule. Because of the town's anger over the incident, the provincial bishop immediately sent the offending priests to a different diocese. It has been said ever since that the women who lie with priests will be transformed, as punishment for their cardinal sin, into mules on nights of the tender moon.
the end. Okay, and story number two, The Flying Witch. Rosario Angamarco was a lonely widow who worried far more about the lives of others than for her own. She lived in Mira, a small town located in the south of Carchi, near the border with Colombia. Because she had nothing better to do, she spent her days talking with her friends and criticizing the neighbors. Just the same, she was a shining example of holiness. She never missed a Mass, and every Sunday she was always the first one at the church and was always first in line to receive communion. But then again, no one dared to pass her in line, lest they became the target of her insults. The old lady lived a routine existence. Although she would go to bed at seven, she never fell asleep before nine. After praying over each of the beads of her rosary, and reciting fifty Hail Marys, five Our Fathers, and one Glory to God. The next day she would awaken when the roosters crowed at five o'clock, but would not get up until six after saying an hour of prayers to the Archangel, St. Gabriel. Her day alternated between prayers in the morning, gossip during the day, and more prayers at night. The saying, Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition, was never truer of anyone. One Sunday, Rosario left her house before the usual time. Because the sexton was ill, she had offered to ring the bell, giving the first call to Mass at six in the morning. It was cold and foggy and still dark. The old woman went to the church, which was about three blocks from her home, protecting herself against the cold with a hat and a black shawl. As in all towns founded by the Spanish, the village church was in front of the park. Rosario walked with hurried steps, accompanied by the morning noises of the birds. Before she arrived at the park, she noticed a shape next to a wall, a strange shape that appeared to be human. As curious as ever, she hurried over to the shape. When she got there and could see what it was, the religious old woman crossed herself three times and asked God to spare her from the same fate as the man she saw. The shape was a man, totally nude, who was sleeping with his arms wrapped around his legs and his head down as if he wanted to bunch up as small as possible. At first glance, he did not appear to be injured, but he did reek of booze and was emitting a symphony of snores. Oddly, in spite of the fact that he was naked, she could not see him shivering and indeed the man did not appear to be cold at all. The old woman did not know what to do. She was certain that the man was some drunkard whose clothes had been taken by thieves. She wanted to wake him up, but the mere idea of touching a naked man seemed sinful to her. She looked from one side of the street to the other, hoping to find someone who could come to her aid. No one. There was not a single soul awake in the town. It was still far too early for any God-fearing person to be out and about. Worried, she thought about simply continuing on her path, but she could not get the image of the hapless man out of her mind. The thought that he might die from the cold if she did not help him stayed with her. 
she decided to save him and took off her shawl, held it aloft as she said a prayer and put it on the man's head so that God could wake him up. The birds stopped their singing and a strong wind kicked up in the lonely street. As soon as the shawl touched the naked skin of the man, it burst into flame, and the man let out an unearthly wail. The being, which was not from this world, rose and stood before the mortal woman who had dared to awaken it. Terror was reflected in the eyes of the old woman, who saw before her the most hideous of creatures, with claws on its hands and feet, the tail of a beast, and a horrifying face, black as coal, from which protruded a pair of horns. The wind blew with supernatural fury. Horror gripped the sanctimonious old woman, as the devil, in a single bound, leapt onto her back and lifted her into the air like a crow, that bird of bad omens. From that day forward, Dono Rosario never again set foot in church. That morning after Mass, some friends went to her house to see what had happened to her. They found her on the patio, feeding a fire with some wood. When the women asked her if she felt well, she looked at them with disdain and began to insult them. The women thought she was delirious with fever and tried to calm her down. But their attempts were in vain as Rosario began speaking to them in a language they had never heard in a harsh, raspy voice. Only then did they look at her face and realize that she had changed. Her eyes burned like candles, her skin was toasted like bread left in the oven too long, and on her face was an expression wicked and maleficent. Frightened, the women left the house. No sooner had the gossipy old woman gotten to a safe place far away than they began reporting to the whole town that Rosario Angamarca was possessed by the devil, that she was speaking in tongues, and that she had been seen burning the holy image of Archangel Gabriel. No one dared to approach the home of the bewitched woman after that, and she never left except sometimes at night. Some of the people of Mira say that at night she could be seen poking around ponds and puddles picking up some of the extra-large frogs that were common in the area. They say that as punishment for her false religiosity, the devil had turned her into a witch. For that reason she collected these creatures in order to make a potion from their oils that would allow her to fly circles over the neighborhood homes like a crow, a harbinger of death. To this very day, the people of Mira say that the flying witch still lives in the caves of the ravine known as La Chimba. Many claim to have seen her on the night of a full moon, flying around the church like a predatory owl. The End Whew. Again, it was the priest doing the nasty with one of the congregation that made trouble in the town in that first story. I felt bad for the woman in the first story because she gets hurt and humiliated while the archdiocese just got him a new job in a different town. 
And in the second story, I love that the super religious person was at the same time a terrible person and just doing a small good thing for a drunk man turned her inside out. I'm loving these stories, and thank you for listening to the third installment of these stories. There is one more to go, and will come out after Halloween, if you want to squeeze just a little more from spooky season before it's all candy canes and reindeer. So to my listeners, I say, thank you, happy Halloween, and good night. <laughs>